1: With Donovan and Ken Episode number 121 Recorded May 21st, 2013 So this is our ninth episode
0: Based in the new J.J. J. Abrams continuity So normally we would do an ongoing issue But due to publishing schedules And when we needed to record this We're only going to be doing Countdown to Darkness number 4 After that we will do A movie review of Star Trek into the darkness.
1: Uh, the definitive movie review, quite frankly. Well, that, that's everybody wants to know what we think about the movie. I think so. Who is better placed to comment on it? Uh huh. So, given, given the vast uh, history and knowledge, uh, even deeper knowledge that comes from books and other media associated with Star Trek, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think we're perfectly placed. I do, yeah. So, yeah, we
0: don't we top all the other people who just stop at the movies and TV shows. That's
1: right. Well, we take further. it that extra step. Exactly. And this will also make for a shorter episode, so... I uh, hope hey. so,
0: but we may have some disagreements about the movie, so maybe it'll drag it out.
1: <laughs> well, we'll see.
0: So, everybody listening, if you're worried that we're going to um, be spoiling the movie, uh, we will. So, we'll give you a disclaimer after we finish Countdown to Darkness number 4 before we transition into the Into the Darkness conversation in case you haven't seen it yet.
1: Which, by this point, by the time this posts, if you're a Star Trek fan and you haven't seen the movie, what, uh, two weeks into it? I'm sorry. You shouldn't be listening to this. It'll be a week later. It just came out Friday and we're going to be posting this.
0: It came out on the 17th and we'll be posting this on the 23rd. Oh, uh, it
1: came out the fifteenth, so let's not let's not mix things.
0: Uh, well, official date was the sixteenth, right? Well, the fifteenth was the sneak preview. Since
1: Wednesday, the fifteenth, you were able to see it at IMAX, right?
0: Uh, yeah, there was a limited
1: screening on the fifteenth. Whatever. The main point <laughs> is, I still maintain that if you're listening to this show and if you have not seen the movie by this point, I'm you're sorry, not a fan. probably not. So just delay listening to this. Maybe
0: they're just purists and they don't want to, you know go see a new continuity. They want
1: to see the chat. Ah. Well then they don't care about it being ruined then. True. They probably I will say one to listen thing. To this episode. You, when I talked about not going the first couple of days cuz it's like I just go on the weekend. It's like you were like, oh, "Got to see it sooner." And you did. I did,
0: yeah. I, I went
1: go. and saw it on Thursday. Had to
0: that's right. had to go. Had to go. That's right. So Okay. All right. Well, that being said, uh, you want to go ahead and let's jump into Countdown to Darkness number four, and then we'll get that out of the way so we can start talking about the movie.
1: Exactly. So wrapping up this, uh, this
0: interesting comic prequel. Right. So uh, just so that everybody remembers, this is the mini miniseries uh, that's supposed to lead directly into the events of Star Trek Into the Darkness. And so many tie-ins and explains things in the movie. Oh, yeah. Right. Get ready for it. <laughs> All right. Let's just go ahead and jump into it. This is uh, issue number four. Came out April of 2013. Story is by Roberto Orkey and Mike Johnson. Script is by Mike Johnson. Artist is David Mencia. Ink Assist is Marina Castle Vitro. The Colorist is by Claudia Scarlet Gothica. Letterer is Chris... Malroy. Creative consultant Anthony Pascal and editor is Scott Dunbar. All right. So as always, there's two covers. One is a photo cover, which just shows John Harrison and James T. Kirk standing face to face while Harrison is just uh, chilling in the brig of the Enterprise. So just a, a, obviously a steal from Star Trek Into Darkness. The art cover Shows the lower right quarter of the Starfleet swoosh. And to the side of that is a helmeted Klingon. And he's staring right at the reader with a twinkle in his eye. So the story starts off on Kronos, where General Kor is receiving a message from the former Starfleet Captain Robert April. Um, April is proposing a trade. If the Klingon government will allow him to be the governor of Phaedius IV, then he will give the Klingons none other than the Enterprise herself. Aboard the Enterprise at that exact moment, deep in the bowels of engineering, Scotty, Kirk, and Spock are trying to devise a way to retake the ship from April's backdoor program. They decide to sneak onto the bridge via Jeffrey's tube. While en route, April contacts them through the ship's communicator and starts to close the access doors in the tubes. Now, Kirk and Spock are separated, and there may not be a way to access the bridge or even get out of the tubes. They are trapped like mice in a maze. Eventually, Kirk is able to kick out an access door that leads him into an air duct. And then the air duct leads him to a large room where many of the captured Enterprise crew are being held, including McCoy, Sulu, Ahura, Chekhov, and many, many others. Kirk tries to reassure them all, telling them that they have nothing to worry about. Then McCoy suggests that he look out the viewport. There in full sight is a Klingon battlecruiser that seems to be much larger than the Enterprise herself. Now may be a good time to start worrying. Spock is able to free himself from the Jeffrey's tubes and finds himself in the turbo lift. He reaches out for one of the ladder rungs and starts to ascend towards the bridge. Scotty is having a one sided conversation with Kinzer. Scotty says that he cannot do it. Then says that he must. Then he says that he cannot. Then he starts typing away and saying he'll blame Kinzer for it anyways. On the bridge, April is still speaking to Cor. He repeats his deal. Before Kor can answer, all the power on the ship is suddenly cut. Everything is out except for life support and communications. Scotty contacts Kirk, even though Kirk does not have a communicator, and tells him that he cut the power and he forced a reboot of the ship in hopes that this would disable April's sleeper program. In the cover of Dark, Spock sneaks onto the bridge, and he stuns April. Surprisingly, April is able to stand up after being shot. Kirk asks him to surrender, but he refuses and steps towards Spock, only to fly back as Kirk arrives and blasts the legendary captain with another stun blast. Mud, standing there the whole time, never raises a hand and surrenders peacefully. The power to the ship is restored. Kor demands to know what's happening. He also says that any resistance to a Klingon boarding party will be considered an act of war. Kirk ignores him and orders Spock to plot a course out of there. The Enterprise warps away at top speed. Later, April is spending some time in the Enterprise's brig. Kirk cannot understand how April could take the actions that he did that could start a war that would eventually kill billions of innocent Federation citizens. April thinks that it's odd that Kirk has not already figured out that the war is unavoidable and that there are forces at work that Kirk cannot even fathom. Kirk and Spock leave the brig and discuss how they will keep Mud's ship and that Mudd will join April when they drop him off at Starfleet Security at the nearest starbase. Kirk has to admit to Spock that April was right from a certain point of view. He was just trying to save lives, even if it meant breaking the Prime Directive. Spock starts to argue with him, but Kirk tells him not to bring it up for a while and walks away. Later, Spock and Uhura have a discussion in her darkened quarters. She asks him to stop running off and risking his life. She asks him to promise, and then eventually he does. They embrace in a romantic kiss in front of a backdrop of stars. Later, Kirk is in communication with Pike. Pike tells him that April and his actions are now considered classified. Kirk is being ordered to take the Enterprise to the Nebriu system to perform a survey. And then the final page of the book shows a man in a black coat walking up to the Starfleet Data Archives in London. He places his hand on a sensor. It reads his palm and displays, Access Granted, Harrison, John, to be continued in Star Trek Into Darkness. Oh, baby. So what do you mean that doesn't
1: just get you right into the movie? It's all tacked on stuff. Right. Nothing in the core narrative going on here has anything to do with the movie.
0: N- not that, that we consider that a spoiler, uh, anybody listening.
1: <laughs> no. Well, I don't think it is.
0: But I agree with you. The first countdown the countdown to the first 2009 movie was kind of like that, too. It didn't really have a big bearing in the movie, but it did explain a lot of what was going on. So it gave yeah. you a better appreciation <coughs> to how Spock and Nero ended up where they were
1: in the movie. It, it gave you the whole backstory that led you up to uh, how Nero became Nero, right? So where this one does, I, I I thought it was a very, I thought it was really an important transition for me. You no, know, did you have to see, to read the comic to to get the backstory to know what Picard had to do with that whole thing? No, you didn't have to. But it's like Picard, Worf data they all had something to do with what really happened but you have absolutely no appreciation of that at all in the movie Uh, which is fine you don't need to but you know it it would have been too too heavy a movie if you tried to have some of those characters in the movie so this worked out the original countdown i thought was perfect i agree from that standpoint yeah, it, it gave the people that were interested so much more story to go with. And they, then they worked in some characters that we all love. So that all right. was great.
0: And even brought one back from the dead without any
1: explanation. Yeah. Well, <laughs> right. Where this, it's a perfectly good story. Um, yeah. It's just it really, really the only thing that it ties in except for like drapery things that they tacked in on here and there, is just it, it tells you what Kirk and Spock have been doing.
0: Right, which we've already been, you know, we already have 19 issues of Star Trek
1: Ongoing that tells yep. us what Kirk and Spock have been up to. Exactly. So, you know, yeah. you know, it, you know except for that incredibly tacked-on bit about John Harrison at the end taking place <laughs> in London at the right. Starfleet Data Archive... Right, and then the thing where he's there, where they're saying uh, Kirk is ordered to the Nibiru system, right, to do a survey. Fine, you know. Um, and then there might be a ship they ended up in possession of, which might come in handy in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other than that, are there any other science?
0: The only one I can think of is that, you know, here, I mean, it's kind of a. Where Kirk may be getting the idea of having a looser interpretation to the prime directive, which does play into the movie, but ah uh, hmm.
1: th- that's that's the only thing other thing I can think of yeah, and that's an that's an interesting point because definitely he's more or less by the book in this series right where in the movie not so much right
0: up until and and, and this last little conversation he has with Spock kind of maybe gives you an idea of, you know, how how and why he's kind of changing. Right. But, uh, well, let's talk about that more here in a minute when we start talking spoilers. Fine. But uh, as far as this issue goes, uh, I really don't have much to talk about. I mean, it seemed a lot of running around in air ducts and then the whole thing is fixed by rebooting your computer and... <laughs> Phase. uh, I will say, I don't understand how um, April could take two blasts with a stun and
1: and still keep walking around. I hated that. And there was no explanation for it. I mean, yeah, I I agree. So, yeah, he's just sitting there at a console, and then you can see the flash, and you can see his arms go up, and Mm -hmm. then BAM! The next panel, I think it's the next panel. Yep. He's 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 up and striding towards Spock. Right. And it's like, how did you do that? You were just stunned. Right. It's not like you're, I don't know, John Harrison or something. Watch it, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I completely agree with you. I could not agree more. I didn't like that at all.
0: I was gonna say the only the only thing I could think of as explanation to that is there there may be a precedent where the Stun setting on these These new continuity Hand phasers are not as powerful As they used to be B- Only in that in the game Which is yeah. you know ba- Based in this continuity You do phase humans and they don't just fall down They actually just kind of like Are literally stunned And then you have to run up there and subdue them So Kirk has to punch them out Or Spock has to do the old Vulcan nerve pinch but, uh, so, I, I mean, because I just played the game and it, and it had that mechanic in it, and then mm-hmm. April was able to take a couple of blasts and still walk around, I thought, well, maybe that's what they're getting at. Yeah. But, to me, that's kind of stretching. That, that's me trying to fit things together
1: that maybe yeah. didn't necessarily needed to be fit together. Right. Well, let me just mention this in this comic book. When Actually, at the end of the previous comic book, so the third comic book in this series. Mm-hmm. Um oh, yep. when April and Mud come running into the bridge and start phasing you know, uh shooting people with phasers. Yeah, take out the whole bridge. Take out the whole bridge. Um in this book, some some time later, maybe hours, I'm not quite sure, but later, you still see, I think it's Chekhov, uh, you know, towards the end, uh or Chekhov or somebody with dark hair, is on is on the floor, sitting on the floor, unconscious, and and that's when April is getting up and striding towards Spock again. So yeah, very good point. So good so point. maybe they used a, maybe they 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 used a hypo or something. I don't know, but some of those people on the bridge were out for quite a while. Yeah, good point.
0: Nope, you're right. I mean, yeah, they took them all out really easily, and and when they needed to, but yeah. April was able to shrug off. Right. A couple now, of shots.
1: now personally I like the idea of light stun and heavy stun. So if you want somebody to be really out for a while, heavy stun. You know, somebody you, you want to knock them down, but you want to talk to them or something, light stun. I don't know.
0: <laughs> so maybe Spock was using light stun and Kirk was using heavy stun.
1: <laughs> yeah, apparently. Apparently.
0: <laughs> Alright, good point. I will concede to that
1: what i want to know about is why are jeffrey's tubes throughout the ship got to get to the wiring somewhere what, okay but i th- correct me if i'm wrong i could be wrong i thought jeffrey's tubes were just in critical areas of the ship i thought they were in the engine area or maybe in engineering but at the, at the very least, in the engine, where you had to get into confined areas and wiring and, and whatever. Right. I did not know that Jeffrey's tubes were all over the ship, away from engineering, in the saucer section. I did not know that.
0: Yeah, well, I can't think of any time in Star Trek, the original series that did that. But definitely by the time uh, Voyager came out, they were they were all over the place. I mean, there's many episodes okay. where people get to the bridge through Jeffrey's tubes on really? Voyager. Yeah,
1: I I don't remember that. Okay, okay, so, fine. I don't I I don't remember that. But oh well. So it's pretty cool that uh, Kor happened to be the Klingon commander dispatched to feyd 4. Sure. Why not?
0: Hopefully, that'll set him up to be, um, you know, a reoccurring villain in the ongoing series when right. when they get back from. You know, the post-Into Darkness continuity, maybe. And they start, you know, redoing some of the classic episodes. Maybe right. we'll see a couple of episodes that he was in mm-hmm. redone,
1: and maybe make reference to this issue. Cool. When I first read the book, at the, towards the beginning of the book, and I started, when April went ahead and made the offer to the Klingons, you know, I'll give you the ship. Make me the governor. It's like, that is one of the lamest harebrained ideas I ever heard. You're going to give them the most advanced starship, at least that we knew of at the time. No spoilers here. And and you're going to trust them that they're going to make you governor uh, of this planet? Right. Really? Are you that dumb? Or is this all just a um, just part of a bigger plan that we're going to find out about in a few minutes? That's what I was thinking when this was first mentioned. Right. But uh, no, that I mean, as right. far as we know, that was his plan. That was his plan, which I'm disappointed in.
0: No, it was. It was. Yeah, you know, at the end of the third issue, we thought he was going and he was going to take. You know, he was going to take the fight to Kronos, and then I was really disappointed in this issue where it's just like, "Here, I'll give you the ship if you give me a little bit of what I want." Even though you'll still be the governor, uh, I'll rule. I'll. Uh, you know, I'll be the governor, but we'll report up to your you know, uh, the Emperor or whatever, how he words it. I was very disappointed. I was expecting to see some, you know, some fighting. Right. Nope, just here. (coughs) Take the ship. And then, oh, it got rebooted. I lost. Game over.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I must say, if you want to remove uh, a computer lock on something, you know, rebooting it and not allowing the computer to come back up again. Well that's and load that same program. That would be a way to do it. It makes sense that they did it. I mean if Scotty came up with it. It's just
0: right. Well as long as they took him out before he just said computer, run
1: code four, three, whatever.
0: And <laughs> do it all over
1: again. Well that's that's a thing. I mean uh during the reboot <laughs> there was enough time for Kirk and Spock to get to the bridge. So <laughs> I guess it might have been irrelevant by the time they loaded enough of the computer again right? To, to get to the point that he could enter a command like that. I don't know. Yeah. And by the way, it seems like they got to the bridge awful fast.
0: Because mm-hmm.
1: they didn't know what Scotty was doing, right? I mean, okay. he purposely said he didn't want to uh, let anybody know because he didn't want to let April know. Right. So, power went down, and then, uh, okay, Spock could have been closer, but uh, Kirk really uh, hoofed it to get to the uh, bridge. Right.
0: And I thought it was funny, because April says he closed all those little bulkheads, so how exactly either one of them... Okay, I'll I'll buy that Spock was able to climb up
1: the turbo lift, but I, I don't see how Kirk made it at all. Exactly. And by the way, why were all those people in that room again? Who... So so, Kirk comes out of the uh, the Jeffrey's tube uh, into this room, and O'Hara and a bunch of the other p- main characters and a bunch of other people are inside this room. It's like, how did they get that room again?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, at first I thought it was the people they pulled off the bridge, but you're right, you can see people
1: still on the bridge. Right. So, I have no idea. So it was like, I mean, there's only two of them, right? So it isn't like... Um, mud and april were herding people into a room um i don't know i mean they they didn't leave the bridge right they took the bridge they kicked everybody out mm-hmm. uh and then some people they stunned so it's like right yeah the last the last thing we it.
0: saw mccoy he was in he was in sickbay cause spock and kirk show up Asking where's Mud because he was supposed to go in for a physical or whatever, and he's like, I don't know. And then the next scene shows Mud and uh, April blasting everybody on the bridge. So, right, yeah. H- how did McCoy get from sick bay to that room? Yeah, it just didn't really make sense. Well, a month was supposed to pass before you read those two issues,
1: so you're supposed to have forgotten <laughs> some of those details. Yeah, we wanted to see a few of the main characters again because it's been a while since we'd seen them, so doesn't matter if it makes any sense or not. Right. Yeah, I, I was wondering, okay, so when he comes into that room, why is Kirk lying to the crew about and saying things about glitches rather than just saying April took the bridge? Why was he lying to them?
0: Yeah, the only thing I can think of is he was trying not to get them to... Um,
1: worked know, up. Yeah,
0: get them to be worked up. Hmm. Okay. That's why he was saying, oh, don't worry, we've got take it taken care of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And then they just see the, to set up the joke, I guess. Uh, and
1: then they see the Klingon. Uh, now
0: that ship looks a lot ship. bigger than the Enterprise, right?
1: Well, it looks bigger than the Enterprise, but you know, maybe it's just the angle how they drew it. I, I hope they don't really mean to say it is, because the Enterprise is is stinking huge. Right. I mean, compared to the original Enterprise. Sure. So if you make that ship too much bigger, it just doesn't make any sense. And by the way, what do you think of the design?
0: Eh. I'm not a big fan of having um a whole bunch of hinges and stuff on wings and stuff so I'm not the
1: biggest fan of it right Uh, it almost looks like a Batman thing but um (laughs) yeah it looks like Batman's plane
0: yeah um well they are wearing masks that cover up all
1: but their chins and their eyes so they are a little Batman like ooh good point yeah, I think and when I first saw it, I thought, "Ooh, cool looking." And then as I've I've looked at it more, it's like, "Eh, I'm not so sure I like it as much." Right. Yeah, I'm with you on that on that second part. Um, and another thing that annoys me is for the 2009 movie, I had gotten a Hallmark uh, ornament. Mm-hmm. You know, supposedly from the movie, and it was a Klingon battle cruiser. Right. And it and it was very much like the original one, from the original TV series, only it had a lot more really cool detail in it. Right. So, but it was nothing like this thing. No. So, I'm a little disappointed that I got my ornament that's supposed to be from the new continuity, continuity, but in actuality, at least according to the comic book, nay nay. Well, I was wondering that, because the only reason why I called it a Battle
0: Cruiser here is just because it looks so big.
1: Right. But, I mean, I'm wondering if it's just supposed to be a bird of prey. Well, it, the shape of it is more in alignment with a bird of prey. Right. But. Hmm. And
0: you're right. They did come out with some toys and stuff uh, from the 2009 movie of, of Klingon ships that never actually made it to the movie. Right. Right. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. And you think that that brig scene was in there just because people have seen in the trailer that. John Harrison's going to spend some time in the brig?
1: Um, I don't know. It seemed a little uh, I don't know. But it is the same bridge. Yeah. Or the same brig. Right. Same design. Now, yep. isn't that kind of big for a brig, wouldn't you think? And it's where's the toilet, brief. by the way? It they looks don't have very large. They don't have larger than it should in the have future. to be. Good point. That Doctor Who thing said that, didn't it? Anyway, so it's a pretty good-sized room for a brig, and you got a nice big picture window out front, which is nice. And um, and I don't see a, I don't see a bed though, but ah, uh, I will. It just comes it's, out of the wall. Big. Ah, it's one of those fold-out ones. Right. Right. Cool. Yep. So are right. you like uh, Kinzer's red shirt skirt?
0: I kind of liked it. I was going to ask you if when we did the – when we get into the original – or when we get into the movie, is that's not what he was wearing in the movie, is it? I never saw him in that. Okay. Because it's like he's wearing a full-size, you know – Red uh, shirt. Scotty red shirt that's mm-hmm. obviously way too big for him, and so he kind of has the belt around the shirt, and it's kind of drapes over his knees a little bit like a, yeah. like a skirt.
1: It looks like a skirt. Yeah, I, I actually liked it. I thought it was a cool look. I, I thought it was kind of cool. It's just that wouldn't you think? I mean, they got aliens in Starfleet, right? So it's like, don't they have like all different sizes?
0: Yeah, I was pretty sure that in the movie he's wearing a shirt that actually
1: fits him. Yeah, just thought I mention it, I thought it was convenient, but of course it's also convenient. Oh, I'm not going to spoil it. Um, that you can shut down a warp core, and then just bring it, fire it back up right away. Boop. It's, like, it's like, like that. It's like that. And I just thought that seemed a little odd, that you could yeah. do that so fast. You can also just jettison a whole bunch of warp cores
0: and still outrun a black hole.
1: Just what, saying. We, exactly. Well, because you have to jettison it behind you.
0: <laughs> a bunch of them, not just one.
1: No, no. he They jettisoned a bunch. And then the explosion from that... Push them outward. It's amazing. So, would
0: it be a spoiler if we mentioned that in the new movie they seem to be back to the one warp core? idea? Um, yes,
1: and can you see that actually being jettisoned? No, the thing's huge. Well, we're gonna talk about it in a few minutes anyway. Yeah, let's let's finish this up. Let's let's do that, then talk about it because I think the warp core is pretty cool. Th- there was a mention of how Admiral Marcus uh, was going to be was going to receive April. So that's another right. tie-in. They mentioned Admiral Marcus.
0: Right. And I think that in issue 2 or 3 when when April talks about how he was, you know, aboard his Enterprise and that he left to go be with the, the natives, I think that and I and I meant to go back and reread them, but I didn't have a chance to. I think that the commander was Marcus. Oh. So Marcus was April's commander and then when April left, he became captain of the Enterprise. Ah, uh-huh. until they cr- created a new ship, and Pike became the captain. Right. So that's a little different.
1: Yeah. So, what do you think about the uh, the artwork? Well, I liked it. I mean, uh, it was I, it's normal, <clears throat> ongoing. Well, I don't think it's quite normal. I mean, it's close to normal, but not quite. Especially on uh, page three, I thought they drew, especially Spock, but Kirk too. They look like teenagers. They look like they're 14 years old. Uh, the top right panel, especially of page three, Spock mm-hmm. looks like he's getting ready to go to the prom or something. <laughs> he just looks so young.
0: Yeah, I can see that.
1: Yeah. Right. No, I just thought uh, I'd mention it. Other than that, things look great. It's just that they just look so young. They are young. Well, they're like in their 20s, not their teens. Just thought I'd mention, it. and that's it. That's all I have to say.
0: All right. Before we get into our spoilerific section,
1: um, and oh yes, it will be spoilery.
0: So, so that you don't have to listen for the end, we'll go ahead and tell you what we're going to do next week. Uh, next week, we'll be we'll be back in the nineties deep space nine issues 16 17 and 18 so that being said let's go into star trek into the darkness spoiler field review
1: the definitive review yes
0: so let's start the review with a little clip where kirk is getting a new crew member somebody we may or may not have seen before
2: captain kirk science officer wallace i've been assigned to the enterprise by admiral marcus these are my transfer orders
1: you requested an additional science officer, Captain? I wish I had. Lieutenant Carol Wallace, doctorate in applied physics, specializing in advanced weaponry. Impressive credentials. Thank you. But redundant now that I'm back aboard the Enterprise. And yet, the more the merrier. Have a seat, Doctor. It just a sentence or two, what did you think, Donovan? Well, I liked it a
0: lot. I thought that some of the nitpicking things that I had against the... Two thousand nine movie, I think, were addressed. There seemed to be less. Not not. It wasn't completely free, but it was seemed to have less leaps of, uh, you know, scientific mumbo jumbo that doesn't really make sense, like the you know jettisoning the warp cores and things like that. Yeah. Um, and red matter. Right. Well, I was and, even and okay that, with the red matter. It was the.
1: It was know. the constant, constantly expanding supernova.
0: Yeah, I had a that was ridiculous.
1: <laughs> that was ridiculous. But.
0: but but in this one didn't have as much as that. I mean, it had a little bit, but I was able to go with it. And how about, how
1: about I, the I, number one thing? And by the way, you're going beyond several words or I know. senses. Well, you
0: keep you keep keep making me expand on stuff.
1: <laughs> well, okay. So what do you think is the number one the number one problem with science that they did with it in the new movie? Well. And it's been done before in the Star Trek universe.
0: Well, why don't you tell
1: me what your, your thoughts are first, <laughs> and then... No, okay. Here's my number one issue. All right. You, you, I mean, you were talking about things you thought they did better. Well, here's something I think is terrible. Okay. They bring Kirk back to life, using <laughs> Harrison's blood. That is right. my number one problem with this movie.
0: Well, that and they needed Harrison's blood, even though they have... I mean, again, this 72 is 72 other <laughs> supermen.
1: Right, and one
0: of them, they even woke up already, so Harrison's not even the only one that's awake. They could have gotten blood out of that other guy. Yeah, they could have. I I did not like that part. I was okay with them using the blood to bring him back to
1: life. Really? You you saw it coming from the very beginning. You you saw the Tribble come back to life, come on! Yes, I know. Well, even before that... His magic blood that brought the sick kid back to to health. I know.
0: So, when it was happening, I, I mean... You knew something was going to happen. I did not know who they were going to bring back to life or what oh, they were going to use to do it.
1: You knew that up, up front? Going I, to knew, die I and figured somebody
0: lunch. was going to get really, really sick, and they were going to have to give them some uh, Harrison blood and bring him back to life. I didn't know they were going to actually die, but yeah, I figured that was going to happen oh, almost what? from the beginning. So anyway, so a What did what did you think overall?
1: Loved it? Mm-hmm. Hated it? I loved it, I thought the writing was good, not perfect, they always do these little leaps of of faith, and things like, well, it's so good in all these other ways, just go with it. So, okay, fine, I went with it. (laughs) And uh, I I thoroughly enjoyed it, special effects were great, Um, they did have gratuitous action scenes, but they were so cool that, in general, sure... Go for it. I thought it was great. And the role reversals I thought were really good, too. Although I got a little uncomfortable with... I, I kinda, I, I'm kind of, i kind of of two minds when it comes to when they reuse too much of the original movies.
0: Right. I, I was surprised they did as much as... They reused as much as they did. So yeah. in this one, Kirk is the one that goes into the reactor. Yep. Even though he has to knock out Scotty to go yep. in there because it's going to kill him if he does, yep. Um, and then he dies, right? Just like, yep. just like Spock
1: in Star yep. Trek Wrath of Khan. Right. So, they just do it. Hey, let's do it this time with uh, Kirk and Spock reversed. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. I, I agree. I I was surprised they went that far with it. Right. And I was surprised that you know, I, I was surprised they brought back Khan. I really didn't think they were going to. Right, But uh, I mean It was cool because Khan's a good character And I thought Benedict Cumberbatch
1: Was awesome Yeah He he did a really good job And he played well as the The likable Khan That you almost feel sorry for at parts And then he was a little over the top As the evil Khan He was just just Close to a little over the top Which I uh, think Towards the end which, which I which, think, showed, which showed how crazy he was. Right.
0: Yeah, so. and that's one of the things in Space Seed that I think that Ricardo Montalban could have done really well is the charismatic, the, you know, the the normal, if you want to say, the manipulative con where he's, you know, he, he could have sweet-talked all of them instead of, you know, in Space Seed, it's just so abrupt. That woman just absolutely loves him for no reason she's going to throw away her whole career to, to help him, where I thought that this Benedict Cumberbatch type con could have been more charismatic, could have been more manip- manipulative in that way, where you could well, maybe buy it a little bit better <coughs> than he could talk somebody into doing these horrible things for
1: him yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, kinda I mean, because he, he talks Mickey into killing himself right to save his kid mm-hmm. and to blow up that archive um he's got kirk and the crew basically doing a lot of what he wants him to do mm-hmm. at the beginning and then you know spock does the call to himself just to confirm things that he's in a- that khan is not <laughs> a person not a nice person not a nice person at all i thought that was kind of cool um, uh,
0: unneeded but cool
1: well, it, it was kind of an excuse just to get Nimoy on there again, right. but um, but if you're really not sure sh- at that point, you were almost wondering yourself, is this the same Khan or what? Right, because he's almost like a, a handy guy at this point <laughs> there in the did. movie. So Very handy. saving well, Kirk, saving everybody. Uh, well,
0: getting especially,
1: to the ship. It, espe- yeah, especially when they were on, uh, you know, on Kronos. So, right. Right, that was very handy, but uh yeah, so but that was good. I mean, Spock did a little check, fact checking, and uh <laughs> I'm glad old Spock uh broke his rule of not uh not divulging things right right,
0: so what's some of the parts that you liked most about it? uh, a lot of people I've talked to really like the comedy, uh, kind of like when. Avengers had all that comedy in it um, even the 2009 movie had a lot of comedy in it uh, kind of like this scene where Hora and Kirk are uh, maybe making fun of Spock a little
1: bit your boyfriend's second me every chance he gets sorry that was inappropriate I Just sometimes I want to rip the f- bangs off his head I don't know, maybe it's me I, I didn't it's not know. him it's not Wait, are you, guys,
0: are you guys fighting? I'd rather not talk about
1: it, Oh my it, god, sir. what is that even like? Mm-hmm. Ears burning?
0: That last line was actually Kirk to Spock once he and Ahura left the turbo lift. Um, I like the comedy, but m- me personally, the action and stuff's great, but to me, when I think back of what I really liked about the movie, it's... Some of the lines, uh, like in regards to that part you were just talking about, when Kirk and Scotty and Con are on the uh, Vengeance. Mm-hmm. Instead of just describing it for you, I'll uh, play a little excerpt from the Star Trek Into Darkness audiobook, uh, narrated by Alice Eve.
2: Tone impatient, as if he expected them to be fully recovered and ready to go. He did not appear winded or stressed in the slightest. As soon as he received an acknowledging nod from Kirk, their guide resumed the way forward. Hanging back slightly, the captain murmured to his chief engineer, The minute we get to the bridge, drop him. Scott was understandably confused. Khan, I thought he was helping us. Despite some lingering uncertainty, Kirk had no hesitation in explaining. On the contrary, Scotty. I'm pretty sure we're helping him.
0: Not sure if she captured the moment as far as accents and uh voice inflections, but you get the gist.
1: I'm pretty sure we're helping him.
0: That was an awesome <laughs> line.
1: That was a great that that was a great line. I like that.
0: And then Sulu's line when he you know, basically the only line he has in the whole movie when he gives Harrison the ultimatum. Most people listening to this have seen the movie, will know what we're talking about. But they probably haven't listened to the audiobook, so I'm going to just play this section from the audiobook again to show Alice Eve's interpretation of John Cho's interpretation of Sulu uh, giving this ultimatum.
2: Sitting up straight in the chair, he addressed communications. The officer who was substituting for the absent Uhura was immediately attentive. Narrow beam as previously programmed. Frequency, as indicated, pinpoint our broadcast to that exact location. Uhura's replacement complied. Channel is open and ready for transmission, sir. With a terse nod, Sulu turned back in the chair and addressed the com. Attention, John Harrison. This is Captain Hikaru Sulu of the USS Enterprise. We are aware of your present location and in position to bear on it from a distance a group of highly trained officers is on its way to your location. If you do not prepare and agree to surrender yourself to them immediately upon their arrival, I am instructed to unleash an entire payload of advanced, long-range, undetectable torpedoes that is currently locked on your location. I must inform you that we are prepared to do this despite any possible diplomatic fallout or other reaction from the Klingon community he paused, his voice tightening. If you test me, you will fail. There being nothing more to say, nothing he could think of to add, he sat back in the chair. Had he used the correct tone of voice? Could he have been simultaneously more forceful and more persuasive? A glance showed the doctor still standing nearby, pursing his lips in a manner most familiar, McCoy paid down at him, Mr. Sulu, remind me to never piss you off,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. when I think of that movie
0: those are the those are the kind of things that really pop in my head as being what makes that movie great, yes, which I don't think the two thousand nine movie had those kind of moments, or at least not that I can recall,
1: yeah, um uh, it had I, great I'm actually moments, trying to think of some, but
0: but when I think of the 2009 <laughs> movie, I think of you know when you see the Enterprise for the first time, you know s- stuff yeah. like that. It was more of a visual thing that to me made that so great. And and to me, this one was more of the the dialogue,
1: the banter, if you will. Yeah. How about you? I, I agree. I, I I did like that. I like the I like the scenes in London at the beginning. Just I like seeing Mickey. <laughs> I love the music. The uh the Michael. Giacchino or however you pronounce it uh, music during that whole London sequence I really enjoyed. Just like seeing I, how life in the future is going to be with the uh, flow kind cards of and things like that. Kind of. Yeah. That's kind of cool. And, and I just thought the whole mood was really cool. And then I really liked seeing the inside of the Warp core, and seeing Kirk you know hurling himself or his feet on the warp core trying to move that thing it's like they spent the money to make it look realistic which I loved right because I mean even I mean the TV show couldn't spend much money I mean everything was made out of styrofoam mm-hmm. but when you saw Kirk like like hurling his feet against this thing it's like you know that was some some substantial metal stuff they had there and I thought that was great uh, and, and, but even in the movie, even in Wrath of Khan, you, what did you see? Uh, Spock took the top off the garbage can and put it down, and then there was some some colorful smoke coming up, and then Spock just sticks his whole face in there, and it's like, <laughs> okay, okay, I'll go with it. But obviously they're not spending much money on this either. But this, you know, that looked like you were in the, in the middle of a uh, nuclear reactor. I liked it.
0: So I will agree with you because I had the same thought when I saw it that I was like oh this is, they spent a lot of money on this and obviously they didn't spend a lot of money on that same scene in The Wrath of Khan. Right. (laughs) But but I did not like that scene. I, I thought it went on too long. I did not have the emotional impact that I had, you know, with, with oh, Spock, Spock just taking off the trash can and that light <laughs> hitting it. To me, that has a more of an emotional impact than Kurt, you know, hanging from a rafter and kicking something 13 times in order to realign yeah. the warp core. Yeah, It, it, uh, it,
1: it, it just yeah.
0: seemed too long, and it it just did not resonate with
1: me personally. Right. Well, cool. It was too long. I
0: I'll didn't help. like him climbing up the giant tubes, and I don't know, it just
1: it, well, it's it's okay, but it, I mean they, they. I guess so. I guess they they put too much emphasis on trying to make it look realistic. <laughs> Basically, no, no, really. Well,
0: because, I mean,
1: because it was. I mean this thing is powering a huge starship, and its engines making it go at warp speed, which is sure. incredible amounts of energy necessary. Right. I mean this was a big room. This was a big chamber, a big round chamber, right. and. Uh, I I I maybe they spent too much time trying to make it look realistic and this being a real challenge to get up there instead of just getting on with it like they did in Wrath of Khan.
0: Right. Well, I mean, yeah. I, and you know, I'm glad that you liked it because cause, uh, I didn't. But uh, you know, it, it's <laughs> not everybody's going to like the same thing. Sure, sure. So no, I I think that's great.
1: Um, I liked when they were on the Vengeance.
0: Those scenes were good. Um, uh, And I loved Peter Weller's character while he was... while he was... uh, in command. I thought he was really good.
1: You know, I... I like Peter Weller. I think he did a great job. I just don't think the writers did a good job in... in really getting across his motivations for all the dastardly things he did. I mean, he was gonna... he was gonna destroy the Enterprise... And all... all I mean, how many people are, are on that huge ship now? I mean... Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, it, it's, like, it's like 500 plus people. I right. mean... That's how much was on the old one. Well, exactly. So it's got to be more than that. It's a bigger ship, right? Right. So, um... He's going to kill all those people? And it's like, all he says was, oh, I was never going to save your crew anyway. Hey, God, open fire. And it's like, really? It's <laughs> like, are you... Are you that amoral? I mean, are you are you that lusting of power, or you think that the Federation is that much at risk with the Klingons that you're willing to destroy this ship and all those Starfleet personnel? I mean, you're an admiral. Don't you care about Starfleet personnel? It's like I don't know. It was I just think it was. What, he's, it was he's not hard only an admiral.
0: He's not only an admiral. He's head of Starfleet.
1: I know. Okay, fine. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So. So it's like. Uh, and 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 he's got he's got cool Enterprise NX zero one models on his oh, on his desk. On. Well, you saw that. That was awesome. oh, I, I saw it and I thought of you, Donovan. Of course you did. Because of it was course I did. Beautiful. <laughs> <It'd> be beautiful. <laughs> well, maybe we can get back to that in a minute. But uh, I just didn't <laughs> buy that he would do that. Sure. I just did. I just didn't buy it. Anyway.
0: Yeah. Uh, I I get what you're saying. I mean, he did come across a little, you know, uh, black and white, one-dimensional type. Yes, exactly. But I thought I thought a lot of his lines were were really great, except for his big, you know. uh, I'm going to quote Jack Nicholson from A Few Good Men Uh, when he's sitting in the chair. He's like, "There's a war coming, and you want me sitting on that chair," you know. And then you know, Kirk's like, "Did you order the code red?" You're damn right! I ordered the cold red. Oh wait, no. That's not. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, though. I mean yeah, that whole yeah. little tirade. I was like, "Oh my god, you're just doing Jack Nicholson," and it sounds word for word the same, even though it's not. But that was my only beef with the Peter Weller stuff. Yeah, but uh, I thought he was good. I liked him. Yeah.
1: Oh, he's good, bro. what cop's good. No choice about <laughs> it. No, he's good. He was good in Fringe. Really good in Fringe in that that one episode he was in. Um, Okay, so... uh, Speaking of other characters that are high-ranking, I hate that Pike died. I hate that. I like Pike. But the problem is, is... J.J. is stuck in... He's channeling Star Wars too much. So he had to make Pike, Obi-Wan Kenobi, so he had to die... Mm-hmm. so that Kirk could ascend into his full maturity okay I, I get the archetypes that right. you're employing here it's just that I like Pike I agree yep I,
0: I agree that I, I didn't like it but you know I, and I thought that they were going to do more with it with the whole family what what would you do for family line that John Harrison had right um, but they I mean aside from that line that's really all they did even though well, I, I was hoping they would do more with you know Pike losing his family. I mean, uh, Kirk losing his family in his eyes. You know, with Pike. Uh, well, uh, and, true. You know, it's uh, so it's
1: like his father, right? Exactly. Right, right. But I mean, his mother's still alive, right? I don't know. She wasn't around, so I don't know well, where she ended up. I I, I thought she was off world in the two thousand nine movie when they're little kids. Yeah, but that's little kids then. Well, whatever. And never um, talks about her again. Okay, so but the thing, but I thought the big thing about what would you do for your family that completely tied into Kirk sacrificing himself at the end. Uh, good point. In the you know in the uh, in the warp court chamber. True. All right. Good point. So that came back in there. Um, I mean, especially when he thought it was basically his decision to broadcast. The conversation throughout the entire ship for record. Yeah, I that, thought that, that was him. his. Well, that was his decision to do that, and apparently that is what signed their death certi- their death warrant, as far as Marcus was concerned. So, do right. um, I mean, you think Marcus knew that that was being broadcast shipwide? Uh, I think that's what they were trying to say. Because, well, why else would they have Kirk do that? You know, open it up shipwide like that. In case he didn't make it. In case what Kirk himself didn't make it. Right. I don't know. Well, so, you know, he 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 knew he knew he was going to expose what was going on, so he wanted everybody to hear it. Because he, cause I guess he figured Marcus wasn't crazy enough to kill everybody, but uh, wrong. Yeah, wrong. Wrong. So I you know I, I don't know how Marcus would know. Because I think he put it on shipwide before Marcus came on the line. Right. Yep. But I, I think that's what they were trying to say. Mm. I mean, he not only felt responsible under normal circumstances. It's his crew. He's responsible for everybody. But it was even his decision to put it on shipwide.com that really signed uh, this, this certificate. Right. Which gave him even more incentive to, uh, to sacrifice himself. Yep.
0: So when we were talking earlier about how they reused a lot of Wrath of Khan... Yes. Did you notice that they reused a lot of Space Seed? And uh, it has to be intentional. That the last fight between Khan and and Spock... A, a oh. lot of that seems to be analogous to the fight between Kirk and
1: Khan and Space Seed. Well... I don't I think a lot of it isn't but I know parts that are. I agree w- I, re- I agree with you that parts are but a lot of it, the rest of it isn't. Right. Well, I mean the 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 fact that uh towards the end of the fight Spock was able to grab something big and heavy. Right, he was able to pull like a lever off of one of those air cards. Exactly. Some some piece of metal and use that to to knock him unconscious. Cool mm-hmm. cuz that's what Kirk did. Right. So I agree with that. Um,
0: that has to
1: be intentional. They had to have done that on purpose. Oh, I agree. I, I agree with that part. Okay. It's just that I think the rest of it. I, I mean, basically, Spock was getting the snot kicked out of him. Right. And, and I do kind of like you know super strong Spock. He's a Vulcan, super strong. I do like seeing him go up against um, uh, Khan. Mm-hmm. Although interesting about uh uh Spock trying to do the Vulcan neck pinch, but oh no no. He's too strong for that.
0: I thought that was great. I loved
1: that. Yeah, I you know I I like it more than I disliked it. It's just that I don't know. It's like come on. It's what what with the muscles around his ner- his nerve is, is is so strong that you can't possibly apply enough pressure to knock him out. I don't know. But yeah,
0: I I, I don't know what what <clears throat> rationale you want to give it, but I liked it. Yeah. I mean, it obviously still hurt him, but uh, he was, he didn't go down.
1: Oh yeah, and and how many times? And so this gets back to your uh, your theory in the uh, fourth countdown book. Uh, how many times did O'Hara shoot him? <laughs> like, like, like eight times. Exactly, and this guy just ain't going down. It's like, uh, yet when when
0: Scotty shot him, he went down. Even though he, he maybe he was playing it off, but right, he
1: did go down. Good point. That's a very good point. He went down for a time. And I don't think he was playing possum. I didn't think so either. Yeah. Hey, it just goes down to what's, uh, what's convenient for the story at the moment. <laughs> right.
0: But the other part that I was going to tell you in that fight scene that I thought was reminiscent to Space Seed was... Oh, yeah. Okay. the uh, The close-ups, definitely Quinto and Cumberbatch. And then the wide shots, definitely not them. <laughs> just like in Spacey, those oh, white shots horrible. are so bad, because it but shows the stunt double full-on face. It's yeah. not Shatner.
1: No, no.
0: And then he's just punching away and flipping off of stuff, and then a close-up of Shatner landing, and it's just like, okay, that's fake. And then I got the same <laughs> feeling when I was watching Quinto and Cumberbatch. Doing. I was like, that's not Quinto. That's, you can tell that's not him. Why yeah. why <laughs> Why remake that part of uh, the original series? <laughs> <fight scenes?
1: laughs> you think it's purpose? You think it's no, on I purpose? don't
0: think it's on purpose, but I, I didn't notice it. Yeah. And then the rest of that whole fight scene was just right out of Star Wars episode 3 and episode 2. So
1: Uh yes. Yeah. Or episode oh, 3 two, or where... I thought it was like the first one. Was it the first one? Oh no, no maybe, maybe you're right. It was the second one and they're falling from Skycar to Skycar Exactly six, right. Six. And then Kenobi says, "I hate when he does that." Yep. Yep. Right. And they're driving around in some kind of futuristic uh, uh, you know, Corvette Stingray convertible Skycar, Yeah, that was, was kind of cool.
0: Right. So again, yep. obviously, <coughs> J.K. is the right person to do Star Trek or Star
1: Wars. In that, yes, because he's that. been doing it in the Star <laughs> in the Star Trek shows and movies. <laughs> yep. Uh,
0: anyways, um, uh, my, my, I guess we probably should cut this off. My last thing is, I really liked how they address that Kirk is way too young to be captain of the Enterprise. Yep. And they actually talk about sending him back to the to the academy. I thought that was great. And then you know he has to prove himself, you know, that he he yeah. wasn't just a a one trick pony in the in the first movie that he right. he is. He is worthy of that title even though he might be so young. Right.
1: I thought that was good. And I thought that was good that he was going to have a chance as first officer at least uh under Pike. Right. So I think that I think that would have made a good TV show. <laughs> Pike, Pike Kirk. as captain and then Kirk as a first officer. That that would have been cool.
0: Yeah. I would have watched it.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like the Riker and, and Picard show. That'd be great. You know, Kirk goes off on all the all the dangerous missions, and then you know, yeah, Pike needs to make all the dull tough decisions.
0: <laughs> so, you think that they will make a uh, TV show next year? I, I think they almost I, have to do. Uh for the two thousand. I mean, when when Star Trek's fifty years old, they have to have they'll have to start a new TV series then.
1: I I don't know. Will Jay, Jay allow it? I don't
0: know. Does can he not allow it? I mean,
1: well, it's still I he his, got some. not his call. Well, I think, I think he got some pretty big concessions when he signed on to do it. And in the end, if he wants to stop doing it, he can. He can do anything he wants to now. Right. Well, he's I, I think. Well, he's got Star Wars right, and plus, how many? I mean, he redid Mission Impossible. Uh, I mean, how many other people want the golden, uh, the golden lad, you know, and his merry band of writers right. to work their magic? It's like he doesn't—he doesn't par- need doesn't Paramount anymore.
0: No, so. and, and I think I mean, surely he has to even see that, you know, the that I mean, for the fiftieth anniversary of a TV series. It would be really awesome if there was another TV series. That would
1: be. But they need to do it uh, away from the movie continuity. So do a Next Generation uh, you know, you type s- thing? Well, or a totally different ship or something. Right, you yeah. Know, something Something that they don't overlap with the movies.
0: I would like to see an Excelsior ship. I would like to see an Excelsior show and have, have John
1: Cho on as Captain Sulu. Ah, Ha He's too young, but well, I don't know. He's pretty young, but so's I think, Kirk. I think he's older than Chris Pine. But but look at the. I mean, he seems even. Yeah, okay. I got a question for you on that because uh, issue twenty of ongoing is showing um, Sulu and Chekhov in in the academy days. Oh, I haven't read it yet. Well, that's what they do. Okay. And, um, so, exactly where is Sulu in comparison to Kirk, as far as graduating? Because we know, of course, McCoy and Kirk, we know that. But, exactly where, it, so is Sulu actually graduated prior to Kirk? Maybe. Because he, he doesn't seem to be a contemporary of Kirk's graduating class. Right. And, you know, there he is when they're getting ready to take off. Um, but maybe he is a contemporary, just... They just never showed any scenes with him together. Right. Together, I don't know.
0: I don't know. It, I I, it, I always assumed he was the same graduating class like everybody else, which I thought was a little ridiculous. Right. Yeah. Well, I will. But, I don't know. Um, I'll... But, I mean, come on. John Cho, he's already... Been in a couple of TV shows, so it's not out of the realm of possibility that he could be persuaded to to do one. Oh, oh, he's yeah,
1: yeah I he's, would watch do, he's doing a lot of TV shows. Right? Oh yeah, I mean, a movie actor, TV shows, he's all over the place. Mm-hmm. I think he's, I know he's got at least a a, a part time gig in that new almost human thing, right? Oh, does he
0: with uh, Carl
1: Urban? Yeah,
0: I knew that he was going to be in Sleepy Hollow, and he was on. He was a regular on. He was a regular on. Go on, but it was canceled.
1: Well, he was. He doesn't have that next year. He was also on um, a regular, one of the main characters on uh, what? Flashback? Was it? Flash forward. Flash forward. Oh, really? I never watched it. Yeah, I just saw a few episodes, but he was one of the. I think he was one of the FBI guys. Uh another character on the same squad or something with the main character.
0: Hmm.
1: Anyway, so he's done a lot of movies and TV, so he's willing to do anything.
0: <laughs> and, you
1: know, they had that great line at the end, that he likes the chair. That's right. Oh, well, h- how about this? Oh, yeah, And I thought that was great. So, <laughs> But what about this? At the end of this movie, we've just had the vengeance, and by the way, that is not, that is the name of a Klingon ship, not a Starfleet ship, which just shows you how whacked Marcus was, but whatever. (laughs) Um, With that ship, I mean, it it did crash into Starfleet Academy, right? Right, Or maybe Starfleet HQ. Right. So, imagine this, will you? You've got this ship that crashed through either Starfleet HQ or Starfleet Academy or both, who knows I'm really not sure where they are in proximity to each other supposedly but there must have been a bodacious number of Starfleet personnel in that building when that happened Right. so I gotta be asking are we gonna have a a, a big, are we now gonna have a, a, a big reduction in people now? Uh, in Starfleet which will have some ki- will manifest itself, itself somehow in the next X number of movies quite possible which would possibly give more of a reason for a young guy like uh, like Cho getting uh, getting a ship right because the other people are getting promoted yep yeah. yep the, the only thing is, if he was Captain, he wouldn't do his ninja thing as much.
0: Oh, yes, he would.
1: <laughs> but he wouldn't go on... Well, okay, maybe. Anyway, but uh, definitely in the ongoing comic books, he's doing a lot of ninja stuff, so I, sure. I'd like to see some of that going on.
0: But if you ha- if he had his own TV show, then you could easily have uh, George Takei show up for an episode to be his dad
1: or something, <laughs> you know, where you don't
0: have to... It wouldn't be as hokey on a TV show as it would be in a movie.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: It would be great.
1: <sighs> yes. And um plus I I'm a big
0: proponent that TV now is so much better than movies. You're able to have more in-depth stories, better characters. It's it's just a better
1: storytelling medium than than movies are. Um I I think it's different. And I think there are possibilities with TV shows that you can't get with movies. I do with agree with that. I don't know that it's a superior uh, form of entertainment, but y- you can tell a lot longer run uh, longer, richer stories over a longer period of time that you could never do in a movie, right? Never. Right. There's all kinds of things the compromise you have to make in a movie because it can't be too long. Right. I'm glad that Kinzer didn't go over with Scotty to the Vengeance. I would have liked to seen more of Kinzer, though. Well, I would have, but not in an action scene like that. Could you see him trying to run around on those tiny little legs?
0: <laughs> right.
1: You know, action. I black, did wonder whatever.
0: where he was because when I first saw it, I thought he was on that little shuttle that Scotty was on, and then when I watched it the second time, I realized no, he definitely was not there. No.
1: Um. Also, I thought it was kind of implausible that. His crew was in those seventy-two missiles, or what, whatever the number was. Yeah, seventy-two. And and really, uh, the admiral wanted him to fire all seventy-two missiles at Kronos to, right. to kill him. It's like really. I mean, uh, and, and I've only seen the movie once, so right. I I, re- I I know. I remember when Marcus told him about the missiles. I just didn't realize he told him to fire all of them at him. I I just don't remember that. Right. Um, And if they put those cryotubes inside of the missiles, it's like, boy, there sure wasn't much room for anything else in there. Like a warhead? Uh, Or fuel or propulsion system. It's like, I don't know, it just seemed very forced. I didn't like that part. Right.
0: And, I mean... When the Enterprise breaks, going to Chronos? Yeah, they say it's twenty miles o- or twenty minutes away from Chronos, yeah. right? And that's at non-warp speeds because the little shuttle does that. Yeah, um, and those missiles were going to go that far. That's they were pretty dang close to Chronos, if that's the case.
1: Right. So they were
0: definitely it, in. They had to have been in, in firing range on space already.
1: Oh yeah. Well, did they say? Whereas Marcus
0: yeah. tells him to park on the
1: outskirts of Klingon space and shoot those missiles. And I thought they were, I thought they were in Klingon space, which made it even more hard to believe that they were able to sit there dead in the water as long as they did, trying to fix the ship, and right. they weren't detected. Right.
0: Yeah. No. That that part was ridiculous. Yeah. The, uh, them being that close to Kronos. And. We're still supposed to believe that they're not in in Klingon space, and then when you know they when the Vengeance shows up, he thinks that it's a ship, a, a Klingon ship, and then they they kind of correct Kirk. No, this this ship's not coming at warp. And you're like, really? You you even from even from Kronos to where they're at, they wouldn't go at warp to you know cut something that would take twenty minutes into half half a minute. Yeah, but that didn't seem like a realistic argument. Right. But again, that, that's some of the scientific
1: inaccuracies that I was able to kind of overlook. Right. Not as bad as some of the ones we had in the 2009 movie. Right. Right. Still, excellent movie. Loved it. Okay, so I just wanted I just wanted to quote a few numbers, All and right, then uh, then I'm done. <clears throat> so I got these stats on Sunday as I was reading the uh, the intertubes webs. So the first 4 days of US release, uh, the new movie made 84.1 million. Bravo. Mm-hmm. And that's in US and, 100, if, and 161. Point, uh, 164.6 billion worldwide. Okay. Which which was really good because supposedly the 2009 movie didn't make all that much overseas. So oh, really? they, they they took in significantly more with this movie also the 2009 movie in the first weekend took in 79.2 million so uh i got these these stats on sunday morning so it wasn't a full weekend although it was four days so i think you know 84.1 million for the new movie compared to 79.2 million uh that's good yeah i i think those are pretty good numbers of course uh people are going to imax which costs a heck of a lot more Tell me than about it. Than, uh than maybe what was uh I mean the 2009 movie had had at least IMAX
0: right that it was showing it didn't showing have
1: IMAX in. 3D though it didn't have 3D but but still I mean they're probably getting more money per, per ticket anyway but right. you know still uh, those are pretty good numbers mm-hmm. and uh, let's see uh the U S ticket ticket sales this last weekend Star Trek was clearly in front 70.6 million this is domestic Iron Man was number two at twenty million, which has been out for weeks now, mm-hmm. and then Great Gatsby was twenty three point four million. So, so what else comes out this weekend that uh, could potentially could it? dethrone it? I don't think anything. I mean, I was just talking to my wife about that. So we've already got Oblivion happen already, and by the way, Oblivion only took in eighty five point five million for its entire run so far. Which the Tom Cruise movie, which I really enjoyed. I thought that was a good movie. Uh, so that's that's only like one million more <laughs> in its entire run than Star Trek took in, in the first four days. I just thought I'd mention that. Um, yeah.
0: So th- this weekend we have Epic, Hangover 3, and Fast and the Furious 6.
1: Yeah, so it's summer movies. Okay, I completely forgot about After Earth. But are, are there any other movies really coming out? Because this is pretty early. This is only May. Right. So I would think that there would still be a steady march of, of summer movies coming out. But I can't think of any big ones, I guess, other than the Will Smith one you just reminded me of. but Man of Steel? Oh, God. Okay, fine. You're right. <laughs> Man of Steel. You're right. Okay, Okay. besides those two. <laughs> I don't know. Hangover yeah. 3 would probably make a lot of money. Oh, uh, actually, that does look better than two did. I saw the trailers for two, and it was like, this doesn't look funny at all. And then, but this new one gets back to Vegas and whatever. It looks It looks good. <laughs> so, anyways, I don't know. Okay. Well. All right.
0: Um, so, did you have any? You said you wanted to get back to the NX zero one again later. Did you have any? Oh, else? I, I
1: just I just wanted to mention that I thought that was pretty cool in Marcus's office, which was ba- Which, by the way, was a very open floor plan, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, I wasn't sure if that was his office or that was just like a conference room that they were in, because he was having like a whole meeting with a bunch of people, and then they kind of walk over to the side where those models
1: were. Right. <clears throat> well, but it looked like a desk there. Yeah, it did. So what was it? Some kind of a, or a secretarial thing or yeah, something? I don't know. Maybe? A receptionist kind of thing? I don't know, but I thought the models were pretty cool. I mean, some the kind of thing you see in a, uh, you know, in a Picard ready room or something. Right. But, um, yeah, I liked uh, I liked the model ships.
0: <laughs> and I liked how they had even, you know, it was basically the same pictures, or the same enterprises that we saw in Star Trek, the motion picture there in the, the rec room. Um, except the NX-01
1: got got to be in there that time. Right. And the cool thing is, it looked like the original NX-01. There was no mucking around with it. Because, of course, that all happened... Uh, yeah, yeah, that, all, that of course, all ago. happened prior to um, Nero coming back and and messing everything up. Right. So. Indeed. I did think that was good. That bit of yeah. continuity.
0: Yeah, I thought they had a lot of little moments like that that I thought were
1: good. Yeah. Yep. All okay. right. Sounds good. Well, um, right. I hope everybody, if you haven't seen it, I am I, sorry that we've ruined things for you, but <laughs> all of you that have seen it out there, why don't you tell us what you think?
0: Yeah, please. And uh until then we will uh we'll try to we'll try to respond to you if you email us at uh, star t comic book review at gmail dot com. Alright, so uh come back next week and we'll be back in comic book land, uh deep space nine, uh sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen by Malibu Comics. Exactly. Tarak
1: Noor. There you go. Alright. All right, Take care, everybody. Bye, everybody. See you next time on The Review. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music, stories, and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at star-t-